in your chairs and look at me, but you're welcome to if you so desire. So uh, feel free to shift the chairs. If it, I don't want you to get you know neck problems after the service is over. So anyway, with that in mind, our uh, story today is coming from the prophet Daniel. You remember that we've been looking at the prophets recently and listening to their unique message as we prepare for the coming of Christ. It's the prophets who have been pointing uh, ahead to the coming of the Messiah. Today we're in the prophet Daniel. And uh, a lot of us remember the story of Daniel and the lion's den. How many remember that story? Daniel and the lion's den. Yeah, that's... Well, there's this other story that happens a little earlier in the prophet, in the prophet Daniel's uh, prophecy, and it has to do with three uh, Jewish men uh, who uh, are, uh, as well as the rest of the kingdom of Babylon, you see Israel has been taken to Babylon in exile. They've been taken from their homes and sent up to Babylon, and they're living there in this foreign land. And now the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, has commanded that all the kingdom should bow down before this huge golden statue, 90 feet high. And the whole kingdom is supposed to bow down before the statue. And if nobody, if somebody chooses not to there, the punishment is to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And so the story picks up with these three Jewish men who are, um, who are deciding that they are not going to bow down before the statue. So let's take it up. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, beginning at the 13th verse. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are the three Jewish boys, be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and that you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigen, the harp, the drum, and entire music ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, well, then let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not worship or serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Our second lesson, oh, and by the way, the story ends with the three uh, Jewish boys being thrown into the fiery furnace, and a fourth figure appears in the midst of the fire and delivers them from the consequences of the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar sees this, rescues the three men, and he calls for the whole kingdom to bow down before the God of Israel. So now we are in Matthew's gospel, the 16th chapter, 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? Let's pray. Allow these words, O oh Lord, to somehow pierce our souls so that we may discover more of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it means to receive the newborn King into our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry for the tie. It's Christmas, so I'm wearing my Christmas ties. So uh, a new Christmas tie each week. 
You good with that? Okay, okay, good. Anyway, so a long time ago, I was given a book to read called The Outsiders. It was written actually by a teenager, Susan Hinton, S.E. Hinton, about two groups of high school kids in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was made into a movie in the 1980s, some of you may have seen it, by Francis Ford Coppola, and launched the acting careers of none other than Tom Cruise, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Diane Lane, Patrick Swayze, Ralph Macchio, and Matt Dillon. Not a bad cast. It's all about the struggle for teenage identity and community, and it has this tragic end that thrusts most of the characters out of youth and childhood into the oft-felt peril of adulthood. And in the midst of one of the crises in the story, two of the boys share a poem with each other by Robert Frost, and it's a poem called Nothing Gold Can Stay, and it goes like this. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down today, nothing gold can stay. It's a poem that speaks to the impermanence of life and how the beauty of our beginnings quickly changes into something else. Childhood becomes youth, youth becomes adulthood, adulthood becomes aging, and aging becomes death. Nothing gold can stay. But it doesn't mean we don't want it to. There's so much in this life, right, that we don't want to change. And maybe one of the reasons, maybe that's one of the reasons why we are so attracted to gold itself, gold the metal, the permanence seemingly of gold. We are, we are drawn to gold, are we not? It's been that way since the very beginning. Human beings love gold. Somewhere in your house or on your person right now, there is gold. I bet. I have gold on my finger. We love gold. It is a precious and indestructible metal. It shines, it does not go away. It increases our net value, along with a lot of other things we collect, houses and cars and toys. They, they feel real, these things. They feel permanent. And we want to think that maybe, just maybe, gold can stay. And we don't want to think that gold can change us. We, but gold does change things, doesn't it? It changes us. We, we don't like to think that's the case, but the more gold you have, the more chances are you are going to change. Lottery winners will tell you that they're not going to change. I'm going to be the same person, and we know that's not going to be true. The truth is, this non-living, permanent thing has its way of acting upon you whether you want to believe it or not. The Romans told to each other this parable, the myth of Idas, Midas, who loved his gold. When the god Dionysus came to Midas and promised him one wish, he would grant him one wish, Midas wished that whatever he touched would turn to gold. Remember this? So he got exactly what he wished for, and what a great thing it was. Everything he touched turned to gold, including even his beautiful roses. But then things changed when he realized that he could no longer eat or drink because his food and drink would turn to gold. And when he touched his daughter, she turned to gold. And he realized that this gift he so badly wanted was not what he wanted. Gold can change you. And the degree to which you believe that you are unsusceptible to this change 
is the degree to which you are likely susceptible. So Nebuchadnezzar, in our story this morning, decides to create for himself and for his empire a golden statue, 60 cubits high, 90 feet in height, 90 feet of gold. And it becomes as a god to him, and he orders the empire now to bow down to his new god, his new idol, his 90 feet of gold. And this is not just a suggestion of Nebuchadnezzar's. This is now the law. This is the thing you do if you don't want to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And the empire so bows down. All the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden statue, Scripture says. Not a hard thing to do, right? Gold is never a hard thing to bow down to. Feels like there's very little cost in bowing down to gold. Remember when your boss came in and told you that he really liked what you were doing and he was putting in a substantial raise for you, some more gold for you, and oh, by the way, a new golden title for you, and, and oh, by the way, there's just a few more things now I need for you to do. I need for you to bow down to this gold I'm giving you. Gold is never a hard thing to bow down to. But there are these three faithful Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hear the king's orders to bow down to gold. And again, what's the harm, especially of me staying out of the fiery furnace? What's the big deal? Whole empire's doing it. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bow down. Scripture doesn't tell us why they don't bow down. There are no words from these three. So we're just left to imagine that in the mind of these three Jewish men is the thought that to lay hold of the golden one is to let the golden one lay hold of me. To, to reach out and touch the golden one is to let the golden one touch me, to turn my flesh into gold and to render my flesh as dead as the metal itself. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understand the truth behind it all, that, that nothing gold can stay, nothing gold can live, nothing gold can do anything to you except to change you into something perhaps you don't want to be. And what they wanted to be was sons of God. What they wanted to be was just simple followers of God. What they wanted to be was faithful friends of God. That's, that's all they wanted. And if it meant getting thrown into the fiery furnace, well, then it meant getting thrown into the fiery furnace. But at least in getting thrown into the fiery furnace, they still knew who they were, that they were still sons of God. And that could never be taken from them because, you see, the only thing that stays, since gold doesn't stay, the only thing that stays is not what is on you, but what is inside of you. That's the thing that stays. And what's this thing inside us? Well, it's our souls, right? <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were holding on to their souls. There was something about that statue that they knew was going to do something to their soul. What does, it, what does it profit a person, Jesus asked? What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? There's something inside here, Jesus says. It's your life, it's your, it's your soul, and it's precious, and it's fragile, and it's susceptible, and you must protect it, you must cherish it, and you must realize how vulnerable it is. And so when someone asks you to bow, if someone asks you to bow, the Bible says, oh, you best you check your soul. Don't let anyone mess with your soul. 
Rabbi Harold Kushner relays the parable of the West African tribe who noticed one day that their, their milking cows were not producing as much milk. And it seemed that every day, more and more, this was the case. So they had one of their younger members stay up through the evening to see if possibly someone was coming into the camp and stealing their milk. So in the middle of the night, the young man saw a moonbeam come down from the sky, and a beautiful sky maiden descend the moonbeam, and she went to the cows and she milked the cows into pails and then she quietly took the pails up to the moon up the moonbeam into heaven and he couldn't believe what he was seeing so the next night he stayed up and there she came again down the moonbeam and to the cows and she milked the cows and took the pails of milk back up the moonbeam and he was so entranced not only by her brazenness but by her beauty third night he set a trap and he caught her let me go, she cried. I will let you go, said the young man, if you promise to marry me. I will marry you, she said, if you let me go back up to heaven one more time and come back three days later. And then when I come back, I will marry you. The young man concedes, the maiden disappears, and three days later she returns on her moonbeam carrying a box. And she says, I will marry you upon the condition that you never open my box. And he agreed. And they married, and they had a wonderful life together until one day when she was gone, our curiosity got the better of the man, and he found her box, and he opened it. And inside, he saw nothing. He closed the box and returned it to where he found it. When his wife came home, she knew right away. Why is it always the case that they know right away? <laughs> and she went to her husband and said, why did you open the box? He said, I was curious. She said, well, then you cannot be my husband. Well, what's the big deal, he said. There's nothing in the box. Oh, now you really can't be my husband, she said because what you could not see was that my box was full of heaven. And what is nothing to you is heaven to me. What is nothing to you is heaven to me. And so when they asked Jesus about the kingdom of heaven and where it might be, he said, oh, no need to look far. The kingdom of heaven is inside you. You've got this box, you see. You've got this soul, and it's the place where heaven is supposed to reside. And it's this invisible treasure that you hold, this knowledge of God, Calvin called it, that, everything bring, that everyone brings with them from heaven. It is this deep-down sense that God is God, God is good, I am a child of God, and therefore I am called to good. And the goodness of me that God has given is this little piece of heaven that gives me value. And yet there are these forces in the world that would just as soon open the docks, take it away. And because they can't see what we see, and they would just as soon have us bow down to the 90 feet of gold or to the rising stock market or the 2018 model of this or that or to the Amazon Echo or to whatever piece of stuff that's going to end up in your garage sale. And they'll tell you that Christmas won't be complete without it. And what they won't tell you is that Christmas is complete 
because the little baby came down the moonbeam, born to a virgin in Bethlehem, the one that brought heaven to earth in a dusty old manger, the one who came so that we would not forget that there is this precious piece of heaven inside of us, and it's so easy to give it away. It's so easy to sell your soul to the highest bidder. It's so easy to bow down to whatever statue they put in front of you. But this box you've got, this box, it holds something dear, something more valuable than 24 carats of gold. And it's your life, and it's the only thing that lasts forever. So when those wise, wise ones of long ago, remember, came to that dusty place and found the swaddled messenger from heaven, no surprise, right? No surprise that they laid before him their gold. They surrendered their gold, as if to say, nothing gold can stay, as if to save their very souls. And that's where the hope lies, right? That's where the hope lies. The little light of hope that we lit today, it's inside here. It's inside the box. It's this little piece of heaven that nobody knows but you. You and that baby who's come down from heaven. That little, little, gold-less baby before whom all of heaven and earth will someday bow. Amen.